Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But we want to welcome Brother Adam Brewer right now to, to stand up and give us the word tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Apostle Angie. I also want to thank the pastors of the house. The other leaders, the evangelists, prophets, elders, and the ushers. I also want to thank the intercessors for what they do. What they do is they are the spear head. They're the head of the spear, and they go in before anyone else goes in into the spirit, and they plow the way so that Whoever God has ordained or anointed or appointed to come and speak or to come and put their hand on somebody or to come and work an altar or to come and play a drum, God can have his way in that. So I thank the intercessors. I also want to thank you all and honor you for the sacrifice that you've made to get here. Because it's a Friday night and there's a whole lot of other things we could be doing in the world on a Friday night other than coming to hear a preacher speak. But we didn't just come to hear a preacher speak, we come to expect a move from God. My name is Brother Adam Brewer and it's been an honor to serve beside each and every single one of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. An absolute joy. I've been to prison twice. And I've got a long history with uh, running from the law, breaking the law, rebellion, rage. Um, God has divinely intervened on my behalf to save my life three exact times that I can count that I know of for certain and without a doubt. My friends, I have friends that were close to me, close as a, as a blood brother that have passed and died in the addictions and in, in, the, in the craze of living in the world. And I used to wonder... Why, why didn't I? Why not me? Because I was just as bad off or, or, or worse than they were. But all I can do is go on from there and live my life as, as they would have wanted me to. Fulfill the purpose that God has for me. The destiny that I have in Him. That's all I can do. So I turn to God. And now I want to know what he has for me. 
I want to know what he's doing. I want to fulfill my purpose, and I want to see those around me fulfill their purpose, and I'm looking for destiny. I got alone with God this week. I was going through some things real heavy. I, I don't know who told him, but the devil must have knew I was going to speak tonight. And I got alone with God, and he gave me something to say. Now, did you know that God will actually give you a word to say to the devil? Because <laughs> he, he'll give you words to say to other people, but that's the first one I ever got for the devil. And what he told me to tell him was, Devil, I see you. And I'm coming for you. Ooh. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to dig down deep. And when there's nothing there, you got to dig a little deeper and find something. Because when you get to serving God and you get on the right track, believe you me, they're coming. I'm finna get to that. And you got to dig way down deep. <laughs> and the devil says, oh, you've been doing so good, old son. Reward yourself. You know, take some time off, and R, some R&R, &R, leisure, you know. What's it going to hurt one more time? Come on. And you got to dig way down deep because sometimes that decision, a lot of times that decision right there is the very difference between life and death for you. You got to dig down deep with everything you got and you say, you know what? You're right. I have been doing good. And that would feel real good to me. That looks real good. I bet I'd have a good time. But you don't understand. The blood of Emmanuel flows in my veins. And you got to, I mean, you got to hit him with the, the whole deal. <laughs> got to let him know you're not playing. You're sick of it. Sick of it. I come tonight with a word from the Lord. This is an exposing word. This is an exposing word of the Lord. And I thought that at first it was a spirit. And I kept seeing this word everywhere. Undermining. Undermining. Underminer, undermining, just random things I'd read. And I was like, the first couple of times I, I seen the word, it was strange to me because, I'm, well, you know, that ain't a word you see every day. You know, there's only a couple things somebody could be talking about to, to use the vocabulary text, undermining. So, but I kept seeing it everywhere. I said, okay, God, show me what... Well, you you got to be trying to speak to me because I've never seen that word right there so many times as I've been seeing it in the last couple of days. So I said, okay, okay, yes, Lord, that's a spirit. It's the underminer spirit, God. It's the underminer spirit. And then he said, open your eyes and look around you. And when I did, this is what I saw. I saw dilapidated residences, dilapidated businesses that started up just just in, in the real heat of the moment and failed. And I see um, a lot of new things that have come up that 
that God started and churches have put it together and come up and then and what happens to it? Why does that happen to it? And it hit me. My God, my God, that's not a spirit. It's a principality. Now, if you don't know what a principality is, 1 Samuel talks about, no, I'm sorry, not 1 Samuel. I don't know where it is. But Daniel in there, he's, he's, he's waiting on an answer from the Lord, and the princes of the heavens were at war for 21 days for, for Daniel's answer to get to him. That was because of a principality. What does it mean to undermine? It means to erode the base or the foundation of. Of what? Our salvation, our purpose, of our each individual anointing, of our faith. Erode the foundation of our prayer. Erode the base of our testimony. I can't count how many times I've just got on fire for Jesus, got on fire for God. I want to thank the praise team. They did a wonderful job opening the heavens today and bringing the glory in here. Amen. I can't count how many times. I've been on fire for God and going after him, running after him with everything I got. I got it this time. And the devil pulled me right back out. Did you know how, you know how bad that hurts your testimony? I don't want to listen to somebody that's done been in and out and in and out and in and out. I mean, sooner or later, you got to get in or get out. I, 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 had, I went in and out of church. So much over the course of 12 years that I don't even want to listen to me. <laughs> Come on now, let's get real. What else does it mean to undermine? It means to lessen the effectiveness, power, or ability of, especially gradually or insidiously. Now, Apostle, I don't think that you mind me using this, do you? Thank you. Amen. Apostle had a dream that a spirit was chasing her. This was a warning from God that a spirit was chasing her. It got her down, and it just was taking little chunks out of her stomach. What it was doing was it was coming to insidiously, and the definition of insidious is in a gradual, subtle way with harmful effects. So, if you've ever had anybody scheming a wicked scheme or plotting a wicked plot on you, that's insidiously undermining. <clears throat> I feel the Holy Spirit. What it was doing was coming to insidiously undermine her kingdom authority. Why? Because when apostle says to the devil, get somewhere and sit down, the devil gets there and sits down. <laughs> we had a conversation the other day, and 
that's a real honor. It's just, Apostle, I treasure every word out of your mouth. I thank you for the breakthrough that comes from your lips and the revelation knowledge. We had a conversation the other day. And we were talking about people who come and they use and they abuse what God has. They, they use and abuse God's people and use them up. And when they're done with them, they throw them away and they bash their name. And, they and that's what we were referring to. And she kind of smiled and laughed and said, my long suffering's running out. Well, apostle, <laughs> that's prophetic. And I'm going to tell you something. You notice it says long-suffering. It doesn't say endless suffering. It says long-suffering, which means that you're going to suffer for a while, but it's going to come to an end. And there's a point where that long-suffering runs out. And then it's time to confront, and it's time to expose. Apostle, your long suffering's running out because I believe the Spirit of God. I believe that God has taken us to a new place. He's taken the Christian faith to a new place, a place of dominionative policy initiated by His armies of prayer. Shakaraba Sunday. This principality, it seeks to lessen the effectiveness. And I'm going to say their prayers. I'm going to say their prayers because they're operating in an undermining spirit. And the undermining principality has a many, a many, a many devils that it sends out with appointed decrees and orders to carry out in the land, majoritively against the things of God and the people of God and the house of God. So it lessens the effectiveness of their prayers, really. It lessens the importance of their salvation. It gradually weakens their ability to hold the line. This principality also removes their morals of loyalty. Uh-oh. Removes my morals of loyalty. Uh-uh-uh-uh. No, 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 because that can't be me. I'm ride or die till the wheels fall off, baby. I got you. That's not talking about me. Uh-uh. I'm loyal to a fault. But it's not like that. Because if the devil drew a line in the sand, and he said, okay, look, all right, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to give you a choice. This side right here, you can stay right where you've committed and what you've dedicated yourself to you can stay right here in what God has for you and the purpose and plans and the fulfillment of your life and your ministry and what's for your children and their children. Or 
and I kind of think you'd rather do this one, but, you know, or you can come with me. You know, I got it going on. He's not going to do that because what are you going to choose? You're going to choose to stay where you were planted. You're going to choose to stay where you gave your word to stay. How do they become disloyal? They take their eyes off what they're supposed to be focused on. What's that mean? That means that if I take my eyes off of what I'm supposed to be focused on, what am I supposed to be focused on? I'm supposed to be focused on what the word God spoke into my life. I'm supposed to be focused on the authority He's placed over me. I'm supposed to be focused on advancing His kingdom and not mine. But they become disloyal because they take their eyes off what they're supposed to be focused on. And they start looking at... Let's take marriage for an example. You think, oh, well, you know, I'm married, y'all. Just happened about, what, two weeks ago? I'm still happy. It's fresh. It's fresh. It's going to stay that way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for that blessing. If you don't know which one, it's the, it's the blonde-headed, dreamy one right there on the front row. <laughs> Let's take marriage for an example. If I take my eyes off what I'm supposed to be focused on in my marriage, which is my wife, it's so simple. It's so simple, and it gets men and women in a marriage every time. And it's taking people out of the house of God, too, where he put them. And it's so simple. It's the simplest thing. I'm sitting here on break at work. I'm chewing a pen. I'm going to put this in my mouth. I ain't, I ain't got the COVID. <laughs> and I'm chewing my pen. I'm on break. Some woman walks by. Oh, she's nice. Another woman walks by. She's even nicer. I just took my eyes off what I'm supposed to be focused on. And now what happens when I take my eyes off what I'm supposed to be focused on is... I get disconnected. When I lose my focus, I become disconnected. Disconnected from what? My wife. Disconnected from what? My calling. Because <laughs> I want to do my own thing. I like what I like. They're nice. They're nicer. They're, they're nice enough for me to look at. I'm gonna look at them. All along, I'm losing focus. But you know what? They come to church. And they get in a bed with their wife and they disconnected. What happens when you lose focus and you're disconnected? You're disloyal. Yes, Lord. 
What's the definition of connected? Well, connected means fastened together, united, binded. And the definition, can somebody, somebody got Google on their phone? Look up loyalty for me, the definition of loyalty. Bring it up on the uh, Google bar. And then just raise your hand when you got it. Thank you very much. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Oh, it's up there. Yep. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. The verse under that says, but you have the, holy, the unction of the Holy Spirit and you know all things. Disloyal. And it happened so quick, they didn't even see it coming. And all it took was taking their eyes off what they were supposed to be focused on. And you know what they started focusing on? They started focusing on me, myself, me, I. And you know what? And because there's no loyalty in them to anyone but their self, they need it from everyone else around them. Dedicate to me. Commit to me. Don't commit to God. Commit to me. I can tell you one thing. The Father, the Lion of Judah, the Lord God of Israel has had it. Woo! Church, we better line ourselves up with the Word of God before we get found laying somewhere dead. A lack of loyalty erodes the foundation plan for their calling, their ministry. You could have had a ministry. You could have had the sheep. But you didn't. You'd rather, you prefer yourself. Let's look at Joseph and his life. In Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. Let's look at jo Joseph. <clears throat> We're going to get into some, some, some things here. There's going to be some deep things. I invite you to open your heart. Let the Lord move. Let Him speak to you. Let him come in and register some of this with you. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. Joseph was just a boy. 
He was a young man. You'll come to find he's a hard-working young man. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He was his youngest. And he made him a coat of many colors. All right, there's the first thing. Here's the first thing. Joseph's favored among his brothers. He is favored by Israel, the father of the house. He is favored. The father loves him. He gives him the best job on the farm and makes him a coat of many colors. The brothers, they're probably out there wearing some gray sackcloth tunics, flocking sheep around. And Joseph gets a coat with many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Hated him. Can you imagine what Joseph's brothers were experiencing? Here Joseph is the youngest. The father's, he's got the father's favor all over his life. And he, ain't, he probably ain't never busted a grape a single day. And they've been plowing and tilling and harvesting those fields since they were children. And they're up in their 30s and 40s. And, and here it is, Joseph. Their father chose Joseph. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. The dream, the first dream, was the dream where, and he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. What happened was Joseph had a dream that his brothers were out there taking that sickle, gathering up the wheat, bundling it, and laying it down to his wheat. And that, every single stalk of their wheat bowed before J Joseph's. And Joseph told his brothers this. They hated him. Mad. And they wanted everything Joseph had. All of that favor. All of those gifts. Everything the father that, that, that I feel like belonged to me. I want it. And I don't care how, what I got to do to get it. That's, what, that's how Joseph's brothers were treating him. That's what they made up in their hearts. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. The sun being the father, the moon being the mother, and the eleven stars were his eleven brothers. 
And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? That is not what Joseph's dreams meant. What Joseph's dreams meant from God was that he was going to a place in life. He was going to be raised up into a position of power, into a position of authority, and he was dreaming about it. You know why? Because the only authoritative figures in his life were his brothers and his mother and his father. So God was showing him what he had for his life, and Joseph's sharing it with them. Not once, not a coat, just the coat of many colors. No, not the second dream or the first dream he had, but the second. Now what they do? Now they make they start plotting. But you know what? They started plotting at the coat of many colors. Because the hatred was in their heart. And the word of God said to have hatred in your heart is murder. So what did they do? They plotted and they schemed a wicked scheme and a plotted a wicked plot. To undermine that. We got to make sure none of us are bowing before Joseph. So we got to do something about it. Get rid of him. So they threw him in a hole. Sold him out. Does anybody in here feel like you've been thrown in a hole and sold out? Hmm? Does anybody in here feel like mm, a little bit. It's, it's, it's normal if you do. I would almost go as far as to say it might be ordained if you do. Because only after just a couple of times of God's favor ministering in your life, only just a couple of times of the fulfillment of God's purpose for you being made manifest for those around you to see, only a couple, two or three times of a vision coming to fruition by God, are they going to begin to plot. Only two or three times. That's all it takes. That's all it took for Joseph, for his brothers, to cast him in a hole and sell him off. So what happens when we get on fire for God? I'm going to bang a drum, and I'm going to play a keyboard, and I'm going to sing to the Lord, and I'm going to dance to the Lord. And only after two or three times of doing that and God showing up and the anointing changing something or somebody or a circumstance, we got to stop it. We got to put a stop to that. Matter of fact, I don't want to stop it. I think I can do it better. Let me tell you something. Nobody in this world, nobody in all of creation can do what you do like you do it. Nobody. You've got your own anointing. You've got your own destiny. You've got your own future, your own fulfillment. Nobody is like you. 
And even though when they come along to be like you, it don't seem like it to you because really, they're not doing it better than you. In fact, to everybody around them, they look like a fool. Well, sometimes to us, because it's designed to do this, it'll make you feel like, well, if anybody can do this, God, I don't want it. Because he created you to value your uniqueness and your identity. That's why it's the first thing the devil comes to steal. So you stop. He gets you to quit. You've been undermined. And you quit. And you've been outmaneuvered. And they do it now, like kind of like you did it. It's nothing like you did it. But they do it now. And, but, but they only do it for a little while longer after you quit. They don't want it no more if they can't be stealing it for some, from somebody. If they can't be taking the people from somebody, they don't want them. So you get undermined and you're outmaneuvered. You're in that hole. You don't know what to do. My brothers, my own brothers have sold me out. Why did they sell me out? Because of the favor on my life from the Father. Because I'm unique. Because the Father loves me and there's a destiny on my life. But just like there's one for them too. And you're down in that hole. And you don't want to do it no more. I don't want to, I don't even want to wear this coat. I don't even want the vision, God. I don't even want, I don't want to. I don't want to bang this drum no more, Jesus. I don't want to play this piano no more, Jesus. I don't want to wave a flag or witness. I don't want to do nothing no more. Everybody's just full of their self. And now your calling and your destiny is being compromised. It's hanging on by a thread. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The plot has begun in the enemy's camp. To shut your mouth. To stomp you out. Throw you in a hole and sell you off. What happens after you've been undermined, sold out, outmaneuvered, and betrayed? Because someone else's loyalty is to their self does not mean God's does not remain with you. So, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Somebody pressing themselves all the time can seem real big and bad and intimidating and powerful. They just press themselves and they press themselves until they've just pressed themselves all the way up on you and what you got going on. 
and they push a little more until you get pushed out if you let it. But they seem real big and bad, and they got it all together right here. All the knowledge you want from the book, all the knowledge you want from the Word of God, I got it. You don't believe me? Ask me. I'll tell you. In fact, they can be so big and bad and intimidating sometimes that it almost convinces you it's almost powerful enough to tell you what your purpose is. It's almost, it almost seems powerful enough. That, uh, yeah, you know, I've been going to that church for a long time, and God is doing a new thing, you know, and uh, we got it going on. You know, matter of fact, I just think you ought to just come on, check it out. That's it. <laughs> hey, hey. Well, <clears throat> can't help it. But the very people deliberately trying to stop the move of God in your life are actually bringing it to pass. Look at Joseph. <laughs> If they hadn't have thrown him in the hole, sold him out, took his jacket and all this other stuff, they'd have never come back so many years later and bowed before him needing grain and a drink. So the very brothers that hated him and threw him away thought that they was undermining the purpose of God, thought that they was going to take all that away and strip him down. Because we know what's best. We know where God moves. It's right here. Right here. I'm going to do it like my wife always does it. Skong it. The very people. I remember a time I was in prison. It was my first time in prison. And uh, my ex-wife, I've been married twice. Yeah, it, it took me one to find the one he had for me. Praise the Lord. Only one. Praise the Lord. And I thank God. So in my first marriage, I was in prison for the first time. And... Um, my mama got a word from the Lord. And the word from the Lord was, this is Adam's year. All right. Well, everything came against that word. And it made it look like this. And oh, he's in the hole fighting. Oh, he's in the hole drug possession. Oh, he's in the Oh, he's going to be back. He ain't going to be out for another year, year and a half. Oh. And that was, my, fir my first wife was going and telling my mama this. And my mama, she stood on that word and stood on that word. And she said, no, honey, God said this is Adam's year. This is Adam's year. He's getting out. And she said, I don't think so. I don't believe that. How do you know? I don't even think God can speak to people. And you hear him. 
It sounds to me like somebody's foundation of who God is and what He's capable of has been eroded. Why? Religion, tradition, doctrines of men, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I tear you down off of this city. I rebuke you. We kick you out. Head on up the dusty trail you came down on. Name of Jesus. That's a lie. You can hear God just as plain as we can sit here and talk to each other. December 1st, the last month, the first day of the last month of that year, I stepped out them gates. Yes, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that your word and your promises ring true then and they ring true now. Thank you, Father. In the exposure of this undermining principality, what it does is people come to steal what you have because they ain't got the, they ain't got the grit to go plow that field theirself. They ain't been where you've been, and they ain't going to be where you've been, but they want what you got coming out of it. Nine times out of ten, if they had been where you've been, they wouldn't have made it out like you did. That's why only you can go there. So don't take what belongs to me, what God has given me. Don't take it. Go get your own. The harvest is ripe. Why are you reaching from the bins and the storage and the barn and the silos when the harvest is in the field? In, in exposing this underminer principality, I, I saw something. I saw something. It took me back to a place where he was my first love. That's what I want you to think about. Why? Did we open the Bible and read his word the very first time we ever did it? I said, God, why? I come up here and I, and I hopped on this piano and I just started writing him a song. And I couldn't feel him. And I said, God, why can't I feel you? He said, remember me? He said, you used to play and sing because you thought I would love it, not, not because you needed me to move. Not because you thought, thought I'd move for you. You did it because you loved me and you, wanted, you just thought I'd like to hear it. 
But somewhere along in operating in your destiny and in, in, in that first dream that you dream, we lose that vision. We lose and we forget why it all began. We forget why we come to him in the first place. We forget why we sung that song and beat that drum and danced for him. And we forget why we ever started coming to church. And we forget why we started holding meetings at our houses. And all we come to do now is take from God, take from His anointing, take something, take. You're full of yourself, and if you don't do something about it, cry out to God, you're going to go to hell. And that place is still hot, and it's still burning, and there's people going to go there. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you because I know in different places, in different areas of your walk with God, or maybe you're not even saved, in different areas of your walk in the world, you've been undermined and outmaneuvered, tricked, played, plotted, and thrown in a hole. And, but I want to encourage you. Jacob, Joseph got back up out of that hole and he was slowed into slavery. And he worked so hard and he had so much favor of the Lord on his life. Potiphar put him in his house. And then the devil come again through Potiphar's wife to, to entrap him. She loved him. She, I, I guarantee you he was handsome. I am guarantee you because he had the favor of the Lord on his life. And Potiphar's wife wanted him. And she was jealous because he, his her, her husband favored him more than she favored her. And he prospered him. And his wife was jealous and went to sleep with Joseph. But Joseph was a man of good character. Joseph was strong in the Lord. He was strong in who he was. He knew where he was going. He knew God was watching. He knew the Father, the favor of the Father was on him. And he said, no. Get thee behind me. And then she sold him out, told a lie on him. Potiphar was hurt, believed the lie. His old Jezebel wife told him. Cast him into prison. 20, 30 some odd years, he was down there. And he started interpreting dreams. And to the two men, they were interpreting dreams. He was interpreting their dream. They came up out of the prison, went to work for the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh started dreaming. They said, we know a man. We know a man that can get you there. We know a man that's got what you need. We know a vision that can set the captive free. So he called upon Joseph. Joseph was released from, from the prison and became, there was no one above Joseph but the Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the only one above him in command. So I want to encourage you, if you've been undermined, outmaneuvered, if you've given up on something, I want to encourage you to pick it up and do it one more time. Do it one more time. Pick it up and run. Grab the torch. There's a world going to hell and we're running out of time. So I want to encourage you that that apostle 
God's vision and purpose for this ministry will carry throughout the ages and we will go on and we will go on and we will go on. Captives are still going to be set free. The damned are still going to find salvation. The lost are still going to be redeemed. Purpose is still going to be issued out. At these altars, destiny is still going to flow from these speakers, from the mouths of the prophets and the apostles and the pastors. And it's not going to stop till God says stop. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you refresh our call, God. I thank you, Father. That you restore the purpose. I thank you, God, that you restore the destiny. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, Father. God, I ask anybody watching live or sitting out there right now, God, that you bind up their broken heart. You love our Sunday. That you restore the purpose, God, the importance of what they have to give. I thank you for it, Lord. And that's all I have. I thank you for this opportunity to bring this word. I thank you for this house of God. I thank you for this group of dedicated soldiers, seasoned warriors. I thank you, Father. Yes, God. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you, Father, for every soul, every man, woman, and child in this room tonight, God. I ask, God, that you have your way, Father. Father, there was a time we walked away from an anointing that you had, God. God, we didn't see the importance of it. We didn't feel unique anymore after doing it, God. And matter of fact, a spirit of jealousy come in and stole it from me father but I'm ready to return now I'm ready to return now I want to do something different now God I want something new make it the same thing but new God I ask that you equip us with everything we need to Ooh, advance the kingdom of heaven, God. And I repent. I repent, God. I repent, Father. I get comfortable in my comforting excuses and alibis to stay where I am. I repent. Yes, God, I repent. I cry out. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're with me in the fire. Yes, Jesus. Jesus' name. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed. In Jesus' name.